We're glad you're able to, to join in with us this morning. Uh, glad you're, you're wherever you are. Um, we, we've uh, been doing this for several weeks now. And if you're sitting at home, you're probably thinking, good grief, can't they do anything the same way? Um, well, apparently not. Uh, every week we try to tweak a little bit. We try to make it a little bit better. Uh, we, we want to be able to uh, do this in a way that we can get rid of as many obstacles as we can. Although... Your dog or your cat is not one of those obstacles we can take care of. That'll be something that you have to take care of, um, as I know is probably going on in my house uh, right now. We're glad that you're here with us. We're in a study in Luke, and we have just begun. We, this is our, our third uh, in the series. We began with an introduction, and, and if you'll remember, Luke was a doctor. Luke was not one of the 12 uh, disciples. He came along a little bit later. He investigated uh, and report, he, he's writing this to Theophilus, uh, a brother in Christ, and, and the purpose in writing Luke, uh, he tells Theophilus, is so that he can know, he can be certain of the things uh, in which he's been taught. And so we're, we're going to keep going along here. If you remember last week, we uh, were introduced to Zechariah and Elizabeth. Uh, Zechariah was a priest, uh, if you'll recall. Uh, Zechariah was in the temple. He was doing his priestly duties uh, when God interrupted. Isn't that cool? Uh, out of 400 years of silence, God spoke to Zechariah. And so uh, as he began to do that, you'll remember that Zechariah and Elizabeth uh, were childless. They were advanced in years, the Bible's words, not mine. Um, and so uh, the, the, they had really kind of given up on the idea of having children, even though it seems apparent uh, that they had been praying uh, for this for some time. So uh, that's kind of where we left off last time. I want to pick back up with verse 13, which is the last verse that we read last week. Verse 13 begins this way, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you shall have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in spirit and in the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom uh, of the just to make ready for a people, I'm sorry, make ready for the Lord uh, people prepared. So here's here's what we have going on. Uh, Zechariah is in the temple. He's a priest. He's doing what what priests do. The rest were outside praying, and so he's by himself. And an angel appears to him, and an angel says, uh, "The Lord has heard your prayer, and you will have a son, and you will name him John." If you'll recall, the name John means. Um, the grace of the Lord. I'm going to put this right here just so I can keep track of stuff. The grace of the Lord. And, and so uh, that, that's a, an, an amazing proclamation that comes from an angel. Today we pick up in verse 14, and, and he tells him, uh, that is the angel, tells Zechariah some amazing things, not just that he's going to have a son, but some amazing things that God is going to do through his son. He said, you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he'll be great before the Lord. He must not drink 
wine or strong drink. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. I, I love this. Uh, he, he even goes on to say he'll turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, the hearts of the children to their fathers. And, and if you or I, I, I would hope, I would maybe, I, I would like to think that, that if an angel came and made a similar proclamation to me or, or, or to you, our, our response would be, that's amazing. That is incredible. I am so humbled that you would choose uh, me as a father, that you would choose me and, and his mother, my wife, to, to be the, the bearers of this great blessing that you're bringing. Well, if you didn't know this by now, you, you'll find out really quickly, uh, priests aren't perfect um, pastors aren't perfect. One thing about the Bible, and, and I love it about Luke in here is he writes, uh, if you hadn't really thought about this before, the Bible really doesn't sugarcoat anything in Scripture. I, I'm amazed at the things that are put in here. Uh, in fact, uh, a pastor said, and, and I agree with him, I am so glad the Bible is not being written now. Not that I think I would be in it, but man, it just doesn't sugarcoat anything. It doesn't candy coat it. Verse 18 is where we see Zechariah's response to the angel. Here's what he says. How shall I know this? <laughs> For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Guys, uh, just a little side note, something that we can learn from Zechariah. He changed the way that he referred to his wife. He said, I am an old man and my wife well, she's advanced in years. So uh, you, you can take that. I, I'm, I'm not going to call my wife anywhere near that. But he didn't call her old at least. Don't forget Mother's Day coming up that I, that I mentioned that. So all of this amazing news, you've got an angel of the Lord. Remember in the beginning, the first thing the angel had to say to Zechariah was, do not fear. So you've got this amazing, this massive angel of the Lord here speaking to you, telling you that God has heard your prayer, that he's answering them, and he's going to give you a child, a son. You'll name him John, which is the grace of the Lord. And, and the first thing out of Zechariah, the priest, or if we wanted to relate it to modern day terms, the pastor's mouth is, how do I know? <laughs> Maybe you didn't look at this, this gray hair. This isn't frosting. Um, th this is, uh, this came, came naturally. So he asked the angel, how do I know that, basically, how do I know that what you're saying is true? And, and I love this, and, and I've told you guys this many times. This is really, I, when I read scripture, I get into it. I, I, I love to read, and so I do it as if I'm there. And, and so I, I, I'm going to imagine, so if, if you would, let's imagine with me. We don't know that this is exactly the way it happened, but imagine with me. This angel has shown up in such a way uh, that, that it brought fear upon Zechariah. He gives Zechariah this amazing proclamation. Zechariah's response is, prove it, basically. And, and so I'm going to read this the way that I think the angel might have. When Zechariah says, how do I know this? The angel answering him said, I'm Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and bring this good news. Now, Gabriel was probably a little bit more dignified than that, but I can imagine Gabriel's response. You know, 
How do you know this? Have you not been paying attention, Zechariah? I am Gabriel. By the way, Gabriel, that, mean, that name means God is my strength. So this is one of the, the three archangels that are actually mentioned in Scripture. I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God who sent me to bring this news to you. Now, this is where my imagination really comes in, and, and I can just picture Gabriel going, And, and there's silence. This is my imagination. There's silence. Like that's not enough for Zechariah. I don't know if that's the way it happened, but however it, it happened, whether there was a pause there or not, um, Gabriel continues with this, verse 20. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. Can you imagine? So the angel Gabriel, one of the archangels, makes the proclamation and he says, I would have thought this would have been enough for you. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I bring this message to you. But if you really want a sign, how about this one? You're not going to be able to speak. Now, that would be inconvenient for us in this day and age it was far more than inconvenient for Zechariah. ASL, American Sign Language, hadn't been invented yet. Um, he, he would have had to make odd gestures that he's not used to. Now, for people who, who were, were, were not able to speak from birth, they, they learned how to get by. They learned these coping mechanisms. But by Zechariah's own admission, he's old. And, and he, he's not used to this. So, so the angel says, okay, well, so here's what we're going to do. Just so that you know, you're not going to be able to speak until all these things that I just told you have taken place. How's that? <laughs> Verse 21, and the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. <laughs> Did he touch the wrong thing? Um, Did God smite him? Uh, what, what's happening? You know, they, they did this often enough. They knew how long it should take. And it's taking Zechariah longer. When he came out, he was unable to speak to them. Picture this. Like I told you, I, I love to get in the scripture like I'm there. He comes out. He's been in there for a while. His other priest buddies, his brothers are saying, what took so long? I don't know what, but he had to try to sign it somehow. It says here, uh, and they realized he had seen a vision in the temple. I imagine his eyes were this big. And it says, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. (laughs) Um, Like the worst game of charades ever played. Uh, And so verse 23, it says, when his service, when his time of service was ended, in other words, not just that day, but days later, however long he was there in the temple, when when his time was up, then he went back home. (laughs) And Elizabeth, I can imagine, this is what my wife would say if I couldn't speak for a period of time. Sure is quiet around here, isn't it? This is what I want for dinner. If you disagree, just say so. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I imagine Elizabeth was, was fairly gracious, although I have been around married couples, and I'm sure there was a little bit of jibing after she finally figured out something was going on. After five months, it says, and for five months, what, he went to his wife Elizabeth, and she conceived. 
and for five months she kept herself hidden, and, and she believed. So somehow he got word across to her uh, uh, maybe what was going on. But when she became pregnant, she says, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach from among the people. What a scene. Uh, what? 400 years, if you remember, between our, our Bibles and Malachi and Matthew, there was this 400 years of silence where God didn't speak, not a prophet, not, not a word, not a judge. God was totally silent after he had promised, Isaiah prominently really, but, but after he had promised the Messiah, his anointed one, he would come and set his people free, silence, nothing for 400 years. Let that sink in a tad. You realize our country's a, a little older than 200 years, right? For 400 years, God waited in fulfilling his promise. And then God, out of the silence, speaks to Zechariah. And God chooses to move in their situation to bring about his plan. And he shows up in this amazing way, breaking the silence with an angel to Zechariah, whose response was basically, prove it. Now, we, it's fun to pick on people in the Bible, isn't it? Because uh, they can't pick back. But do you realize how much like that we are often? <laughs> how many times have you prayed, God, I, I just, would you just, just speak to me? Lord, would you just speak to me? God, I just need to hear from you. And then he does in some way, whether it's through his people, uh, through the church, through his spirit, or through his word, or, or a con, con, there's a word there that's not coming to him, through all of them. And, and we don't believe. Let me, let me give you just three things from this. By the way, this is setting up the stage. I love the way Luke tells the story because he tells it with great detail. And, and he's really setting up this amazing story of how God chose to move and work in the history of mankind for redemption. Let me give you three things that I can get from this encounter that Zechariah had with Gabriel that, that I think we need to take to heart. Um, and and maybe, maybe we'll take it a little bit easy on Zechariah realizing how often we do exactly the same thing he did. Here's, here's the first thing. When, when God speaks, we need to listen. Now, now that, I know that that's so profound, you, you want me to say it again. So here we go. When God speaks, we need to listen. That's so simple, isn't it? God speaks to us. We, we need to listen to him. We, and and here's, here's what I, two, two things I, I see in there that we can do to help make that happen. First, we need to, to learn to take time to listen. We get, if you're anything like me, get blowing and going through the day. And, and sometimes it's the end of the day before we realize we haven't really spent any time with God. Or... Or we, we begin with a devotion in the morning. And, and in our devotion, uh, we think, man, I've, I've got 13 minutes to do this. And 
we sit down and we say, God, would you speak to me this morning through your spirit and through your word? And, and Lord, I'm, I'm going to open your word now. And you read it. And whether you use, just use the Bible or whether you use a devotional material, read that. And, and you go through. And then you say, all right, God, would you help me do that? In Jesus' name, amen. And then we go on, don't we? I mean, our 15-minute devotion. And, and by the way, something's better than nothing. Uh, don't, if that's what you're doing, don't stop. What I'm saying is we need to learn how to build into our day some times where we can listen to God. Prayer is not a laundry list. It's not a wish list. It's not a shopping list that we just give to God and then we run along our way. It's a conversation. But we need to learn to listen, to take time, to make time. I know that's hard, isn't it? Because we want to sit down, oh man, I... Okay, well, I've still got five minutes left in my devotion. Let me check Facebook, you know. Um, I heard a ding, you know, what was that? You know, that was my doorbell. Or You know, we, we think we've got five minutes and we need to fill it with something. Why don't we fill it with listening to God? So the first thing is learn to build into your day time to listen. The second thing is this. Put yourself in a position to listen. So not only take time to listen, but put yourself in a position to listen. Really what I'm talking about here is just being really, really intentional. That I, we have animals, you guys know that. Um, and and if, I want some, if I want some uninterrupted time, I, actually I can get it early in the morning because they're tired. They're wondering wh- why I'm awake and laying in my lap. But but oftentimes, I'm, I'm going to have to take myself out of that context, out of the context of the, the, the daily routine in life. Maybe, maybe go on the back porch where it's kind of quiet, except for now the hummingbirds are back. Go on the back porch where it's quiet, or come into my office where it's quieter. Or, or, what I'm saying is, put yourself in a position to listen. Try to get rid of all the distractions you can. Make sure that you have time, and, and build into your devotional a, a time where you intentionally are saying, now God, speak to me. There's a, a really good way to do this. I'll share a little bit more tomorrow in the, the Java and Jesus devotion, but um, to pray, read through the Bible. Um, sometimes sometimes we, we think prayer is we're just talking to God, talking to God, and then we get quiet and wonder, okay, God, so what are you saying to me? But, you know, God's given us his word already, and the Psalms are amazing for this. To just go through, and, and while you're praying, just, just read Scripture. I will extol you. This is Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. And, and let that be a jumping off point then to spend some time. God, you are great. I, I can't fathom all of who you are. I can't even understand really how you love me the way you do. God, I just want to say thank you. The next verse says, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. God, would you help me do that? Lord, would, would you help me pass my faith on to my kids as a living faith, one generation to another. And someday when I have grandkids, would you help me be that kind of grandfather who helps my kids pass their faith on to their kids? You, you see how you do that? 
that we, we put ourselves in a position to listen and enter into conversation. One great way to do that is by reading God's word and, and praying as we, as we read. Let it be a, a back and forth conversation. So listen. The second thing that, that I think we can learn from Zechariah's encounter is to trust. Man, that's hard. It shouldn't be, really, but put it into practice in everyday life. That, that can get really hard. The angel Gabriel came and made a proclamation from God to, to Zechariah. This is, this is God's word to Zechariah from an angel. And Zechariah's response is, uh, by, by the way, it almost seems from this interaction that he totally discounted all the amazing things God was going to do through this son and went back to the deal. How, how is this going to happen? I mean, you know biology birds and bees i mean i don't know what angels know you know he he it he didn't he didn't act in trust and and here's let me just give you a simple way uh i i think to to relate what trusting looks like uh in our lives the first part is this it's believing that god is who he says he is going back to god's character and his nature that God is who he says he is. Listen, if we could really get a hold of who God is, I think it'll be so much easier for us to trust him. He's faithful. He's righteous. He's true. He's holy. He knows the beginning from the end. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere all the time. At the same time, if we could get a little bit of a handle on who God is, and believe that, believing that God is who he says he is, I think it's going to be so much easier for us to trust him. And the second one is closely tied to that, not only believing that God is who he says he is, but believing that God will do what he says he will do. That's because he is who he says he is. Do you know God's never broken a promise? You know God's never been wrong? We can't relate to either one of those, can we? God never says, oops, uh-oh, or oh no, three things you don't want your, your surgeon to say, by the way, uh, or your banker. <laughs> that, that God will do what he says he will do, that we believe that. If we, can, if we can believe that God is who he says he is and that he'll do what he says he'll do, then it's going to be easier to trust and, and trust isn't, you know, the, the same word in Bible is used for believe and trust and faith. Pistos is the, the Greek word. But that, that we trust him, that we believe that he'll do what he says he's going to do. And listen, here's something you need to know, that faith always produces action. Faith, trust, always produces action. James talks about that a, a, a whole lot. James said, you, can, you say you have faith and you don't have any works. I'm not believing it. Because <laughs> faith always produces works. Faith always acts. Just like love is always demonstrated. Faith produces action. And, and so believing that God is who he says he is and that God will do what he says he'll do allows us to trust, to, to really act in faith and then that leads us to the last thing. That is that we obey. <laughs> I'm kind of glad for our sake that Zechariah made an oops here asking the angel for a sign. 
But but what if what if his response was we'll see Mary's response in, in a couple of weeks. What if his response was God, thank you. Do what you say you're gonna do through me. I don't know how, but I'm okay with that. I've got an angel talking to me. God, you you figure out the how. Thank you. But what what if what if that would have been his response? That that he would have acted in obedience. Acted on that faith, stepped out in faith. For one thing, what a testimony he would have had as he walked out of the temple to his fellow priests. Guys, you won't believe it. I was in there lighting the candles. I was just doing my thing. <coughs> and an angel showed up. And he told me that my wife and I were going to have a child that we've prayed for for years and years. How amazing. And then he could have run home to his wife and said, Elizabeth, you're not going to believe this. And shared with her instead. We have the world's first recorded mime. <laughs> he's, he's, trying to, he's trying to sign all this stuff out. I think it's cool for us that it worked the way it did for a couple of reasons. One, it's nice to know that we're not the only ones who doubt. It's nice to know that we're not the only ones who mess up. And it's super great to know that God is not limited by us in how he moves and works. He still brought about what he wanted to bring about through Zechariah. But, but when God speaks, we need, we need to listen we need to trust. And then finally, we need to obey. And, and here's what obedience looks like. Obedience is doing what you're told. All right? Do we get that? Parents, we know that. You got kids or grandkids around still? Some of you um, parents of adult kids are saying, man, if only... Obedience is doing what you're told, but it's not just doing what you're told. It's doing it when you're told. And we know this. You know, son, I told you to, to mow the grass. And I will next week. <laughs> well, that's not obedience, is it? It's what you're told, but it's when you're told. And then my friend likes to always add the last one, doing it with the right attitude. That's what obedience looks like. And, and guys, listen. We cannot say that we trust God. We cannot say that we have faith in God if we're not willing or able or if we don't act on what he says. We can all day long say, God, I trust you, but if we don't do what he says to do, then that's not faith. Here's what it says in 1 Samuel 15, 22. I love this. This is talking about um, Saul, who was not such a great king. Samuel says, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, because Saul was a little slow. I don't know if you knew that. To obey is better than sacrifice. And to listen, the, the implication is here, to heed, to obey, than the fat of rams. Samuel's saying, look, you can sacrifice all day long, but if you're not doing what God's told you to do, that's not obedience. God wants obedience more than sacrifice. Jesus said it a little bit different way in John chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. 
as we as we continue in this is the gospel of Jesus actually according to Luke let's learn along the way could we and let, let's take a lesson from Zechariah who had been praying and God spoke let's let's make sure that when God speaks to us that our response is what it ought to be that, that we listen that, that we 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 are anticipating God to speak to us that we not only take the time to listen to God in this crazy busy world we live in but we position ourselves to do that 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 we are intentional and, and we act as if we expect God to speak. And so we wait. And we get rid of any distractions that would keep us from hearing him. But not only that we listen, it's that we trust. That, that we, we settle in who God is. That we believe that God is who he says he is. And everything we read about him in his word is true. How he's revealed himself, even in nature and creation, is true. That he's consistent, he's trustworthy, he's orderly. That that God is faithful. That God loves us. And that we trust him because of it. And then let, let that trust take action and let us obey and we do what God says, and we do it when he says it, <laughs> and we do it with the right attitude, and the right attitude is, yes, Lord, you tell me what. God, I want to do what you want me to do. What a great position. What a great place to be in our walk with him. Lord, I want to do what you want me to do, not what I want. Let's pray. Father, you're amazing. And we thank you, God, that you love us in spite of us. Lord, that you love us because you choose to. And that, God, as you move and work in our hearts, that you will continue to change us and make us into the image of Jesus. So, Lord, I pray that this week that, God, you would just just burden our hearts, that, that we would we would make time to listen. The Lord, we'd get rid of whatever distractions, whatever it is that's been keeping us from listening to you, that you'd help us to put ourselves in a position where we can hear. And then, God, we, we pray that you would increase our faith, our trust in you, that, that Lord, the more we know about you, the more, the more that we believe that you are who you say you are. God, thank you for the testimony that you, you've given us through your word that we can, we can read from the beginning and see how consistent you are in your character and your nature. And God, not only that, but we believe that you will do what you say you'll do. And, and Lord, the same, that, that you've given us uh, your testimony throughout history in your word. That, that God, you bring about everything you promise. You're faithful and you're true. God, then would you help us to be obedient, uh, to just step out in faith, to do what you say to do, to do, when, do, do it when you tell us to do it. Father, would you, 
Would you help us to be more obedient to you and give us the attitude, Lord, that Jesus had, who, who though he is equal with you, he is God the Son, he's creator of everything he is, that he didn't, he didn't take that as a right, but Lord, he gave all that up and he became a servant. And Lord, that he became obedient to you to the point of death, even death on the cross, to purchase our salvation. And God, if there's anyone here who's never, who's never heard your call, who, who's never trusted in Christ and been obedient uh, in following him, God, would you draw them to you? Would you just impress that upon their heart today? God, for the rest of us, would you just teach us how to trust you more? Teach us to be obedient immediately, completely, and God, have the, the attitude of a servant that Christ had for us. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.